Hi guys! Welcome back to the Love Club and Love Stories with Lydia. It is officially January and in Rexburg it is absolutely so cold and so windy and so snowy and it just reminds me why I started this podcast because hello seasonal depression which is so interesting because it's not like I hate winter like I've grown up here my entire life and I even like I was in California for two winters and it like I still didn't like I don't know why I just get so sad in winter because it's it's not I don't think it's the weather I think it's literally like the time of year like you because some people say like seasonal depressions because you don't get enough like vitamin like c or d I can't remember which one it is the sun one I think it's d because remember like sunny d the like the drink um but I think it's literally just the time of year because like when I was in California I remember not liking this time of year too because it's right after Christmas And everything was just so pretty, and your neighbors are bringing over cookies. I mean, my neighbors aren't bringing over cookies now, but, like, and it's just, like, you know, just a really nice time of year. Now it's kind of, I mean, we have Valentine's Day, and everyone's decorating for Valentine's Day, and I am excited for that. Like, obviously, Valentine's Day is probably my favorite day of the year, but, like, um, it's just, there's just not a lot to look forward to until May. (laughs) and uh, I mean I'm like recording this in my car because (laughs) my roommates are back and I don't want to hear the I don't want them to well also it's like 8 50 in the morning so uh I'm just doing this like right before I go to work but like I'm sitting in my car and I'm looking out and it's just like drippy and slushy and like the sky is gray and then the floor is white. It's just it's just not a good look. So, this is why I started this podcast and I'm so grateful for it and I'm super excited for today's story because I think it's going to be it's kind of different and I'm really excited about it. But first, we have some important matters of business to get to. So, this meeting of the love club has officially began um our first matter of business has to do with america's newest sweetheart clayton eckard or eckard i have i (laughs) i don't know what his last name sounds like but (laughs) um in case you missed it he is the most eligible bachelor on the abc network right now and the latest lifeline that producers have thrown out to the sinking ship that is the bachelor franchise among the rescue boats are newest host Jesse Palmer, who, as far as I can tell, is just a taller, more football-oriented Chris Harrison. Because when I was watching, when I, like, started watching the first episode of this season, I, because, first of all, I have to say, I haven't watched the last two seasons, and I really wasn't planning on watching this season, but then I found out that A Girl from Selling Sunset is on it. And so then I was like, absolutely, I have to watch this. So, but, like, when I started it, I was just in my room folding laundry. And so I wasn't watching the show. I was just listening to it. 
And I honestly forgot that Chris Harrison wasn't the host. Like, Jesse's voice sounds so incredibly similar to his that it's almost shocking. And to be honest, it was almost comforting because you know how Chris Harrison used to say, the most dramatic season of The Bachelor. Or, um, what else would he say? Shocking. Or, um incredible (laughs) like you know and so it was almost comforting to hear Jesse say that because it it brought me back to the good days the good old days but um Jesse himself is just coming off of a marital high after being married earlier this year to model Emily Fardo um according to People magazine the two were engaged in July of 2019 and then sealed the deal this October um, at a friend's home in Connecticut. And it was another small wedding, just like Ty, Ty Pennington's, um, that we were talking about last time. Um, so definitely COVID, but there's nothing better than a newlywed friend to, to convince you that relationships and marriage are the best. And I think producers felt the same way. It's interesting to me though like Chris Harrison always seemed like a father figure to the show and Jesse has more of an older brother feel so far which I'm not upset about like I have nothing really bad to say honestly is really feels like it's just Chris Harrison I have to point out the irony though Jesse was the lead in season five of The Bachelor back in 2004 and how long did that relationship last you might wonder exactly four months (laughs) And with the evidence showing that they split just one month after the finale aired on what used to be America's primetime network, that means that their entire relationship lasted for under a year, which approximately half of it, or maybe more, being shared with 20 other interests. So, you ask, how will he be able to tell Clayton that he knows it can work, that he's seen it happen, the same way that Chris Harrison did? Um, I don't know, Love Club. I, I really don't know. Like, it seems like there's a glitch in the bachelor matrix that nobody can quite figure out right now i would have loved to see jade and tanner co-host or even like sean and Catherine, but i know i mean they have the cutest little families so they were probably like eh, i actually don't want a referee <laughs> but like i think that would have been a cute little homie touch um and it, i think it would have brought the bachelor back to its roots because it really did used to be about finding love before like Instagram and everything like I really think Instagram changed it all but um I do have to say I will be back to watch the second episode which is more than I can say for the last two seasons so maybe their rescue mission is working um another intriguing part of the premiere was the random contestant who softly brought the drama before the race had even begun I'm talking about Sally Carson she had her like introduction montage was basically her like walking on a beach which I thought was very uh how do I say very it just really set the scene I guess (laughs) and she was literally on the show with just enough time to tell Clayton that she was supposed to be getting married that day like, the day that everybody was arriving, and she didn't have it in her to be at the Bachelor Mansion, which I totally understand. Here's the thing. I think that the producers planted her with a perfectly written script. Like, I don't think she was ever going to be a part of the show. I think, like, her shining moment 
and the moment that she was like recruited for was like the moment that she rejected Clayton because in my lover's hearts of hearts I think that they brought her on the show for the sole purpose of rejecting him who because Clayton like he even pointed out he only had about eight minutes of airtime in Michelle's season season which in all honesty who was even watching that you know like I remember The Bachelor used to be, like, everybody watched it, everybody talked about it, but, like, this, like, the last two seasons have been, like, eh, I don't know, I haven't really been watching it. And, according to TVLine.com, Michelle's finale averaged 3.5 total views, which was down sharply from Katie's finale, which averaged 4.6 million. So, literally, like, a million and some less. And... (laughs) Just to compare and contrast, how many people tuned in to watch Sean Choose Catherine in 2013? 10 million, baby. Like, nobody needs to spell out what that means. My point is that they're, if they're trying to save the show, then they need America to be wrapped around Clayton's finger, like, yesterday. And when I say yesterday, I mean, like, before the show even started. And so, what better way to do that than bring in a beautiful blonde-haired sweetheart to break his heart in front of America? Also, like, in the first, like, 15 minutes of the show. I don't know if it seemed like it was extremely early on, though, in the show. Probably not first 15 minutes, but, like, it seemed like it was very early on. And I really think that the, the producers were like, hey, we've got to get something in, like, now like we have a very short amount of time a very short window to like get people invested and I think I think that that's why they did it but because think about it she basically turned down the first impression rose before he even met anybody else and can you imagine the drama that would have ensued if she had been sitting in the limo holding a long-stemmed rose while the other girls held a long-stemmed glass of champagne and hate? Like, I... Like, yeah, that would have gotten ratings. But if I would have watched that, I would have been like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. So in all honesty, I think the producers decided to play their cards a little more carefully this season, and I think they made the right move. Whether this was their royal flush or they have an ace up their sleeve, painting Clayton as an underdog? Solid strategy. And I, I'm excited. I'm excited to watch the next episode, which I haven't felt that way in a long time. So kind of, uh, they did good. In other Bachelor news, not that, not that the Bachelor <laughs> franchise needs me to tell them that they did, but <laughs> in other Bachelor news, Colton just bought a house with his sweetheart, Jordan C. Brown. And I just have to say, that's interesting. On to our second item of business. I have a funny... I have a funny little life update and like I did not really plan on doing anything like too personal with this podcast but when I was thinking about my favorite podcast the reason that I love them is because they're personal and this is a funny story so buckle up love club so last year I matched with this super cute guy on mutual and I also have to say this guy's definitely 100% not listening um, he was from Salmon, Idaho, which is as much of a ranch town as it sounds, and he, he just looked genuinely nice, and so we ended up going on a date on Valentine's Day, which I was so grateful for, because as much as I wanted to have, 
like just have a Galentine's Day and flip off love at that time last year. And I definitely did end up in a puddle like the next day. <laughs> but um, I like I it would have been a really sad night if I wouldn't have had anything to do that night. So which I guess makes me sound weak and not very 2022 energy-ish, but like that was 2021. So, um, so anyways, the date's coming up and earlier in the week, he's like, do you want to go hatchet throwing? Which I had never done in my life, but of course I said yes. And I remember being so excited and thinking like, this could be a good thing. I even bought a cute new shirt, which I didn't end up wearing ironically because I have like five tried and true outfits that I love for dates. And that, I mean, I pretty much always end up wearing them. But I do remember that I bought these really cute white marbly rickrack looking earrings and I, they were so cute. But then I lost one at work earlier that day. And at that time last year, I was still working two jobs and my second job was at a grocery store. RIP to that store. <laughs> um, but that day was super fun because I got to basically work at the love station. Um... And Valentine's Day was on a Sunday last year, so that, like, Saturday afternoon, everybody was at Brolms buying another year of love. <laughs> I have no idea how I got off at 7 that night, but I do remember that I worked a super short shift just from, like, 2 to 7. And literally that entire time, I was blowing up Valentine's Day balloons. Like, I'm not kidding you, my fingers hurt at the end of just that little five hours because of, like, tying so many balloons. But I Honestly, it was like the best day ever. I had so much fun. And it was fun too because I still had a glimmer of hope for my own love story at the end of the night because I was going axe throwing with the cutie rancher from Salmon. So it wasn't like I was looking at everyone else being in love and being like, man, I remember that. <laughs> but so anyways, um, one of my earrings fell off and I put it into my apron and just instead of just like putting it back in because there were so many people waiting for balloons and then I forgot to take it back out at the end of the shift so I guarantee that in a month when whoever gets to run the love station at Brolin's this year puts on that special red apron they will find my cute marbly white rickrack hoop earring but I mean I've already thrown out the other earring so I can't even I can't even go in and be like hey <laughs> but um when I realized that night that I had left the earring at Brolum's, I didn't just say, oh, I'll just wear a different pair of earrings. No, I was, like, so committed to wearing these earrings that I literally just wore the left earring. Like, <laughs> so, yeah, that kind of illustrates how the night is going. So, if you could, like, so he picks me up, and I'm sure he notices at some point that I only have my left earring in, and we start driving to the hatchet throwing place. And... I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure that he pulled into the gas station to, like, get gas. And you know when you're on a date and, like, they have to stop for gas and you're just sitting in the car and you're, like, kind of surveying the scene, like, seeing what, uh, seeing what you can find out, especially on a first date. Well, honestly, yeah. Um, but, okay, so... But, like, uh, so I'm sitting in the front seat, and he's getting gas, and I look over, and to what do my prying, untrusting eyes do appear but a Bud Light koozie that I thought was holding beer? <laughs> 
And I have to break in at this point and say, like, I don't think that drinking is the cardinal sin of the world. I promise you, I really don't. Some of the very best people in the whole world drink and some of the very, very, very worst people in the world don't even like have a sip of Dr. Pepper. So I just want to be clear that I don't have a complex about drinking or anything like that, but I've just decided enough times that I don't want to drink to know that I can't be in a relationship with someone who does because we won't share views on that aspect and that would probably cause a rift. Like think about it from a secular view, not a bubble view. So think about drinking like watching TV. I love to watch TV after a long day. I love to watch TV with friends and I look forward to a good show. If I was dating someone who thought TV was dumb, who didn't want to be around me when I was watching TV and who didn't want anything to do with TV after a long day, we would run into some problems. Especially when it comes to the financial part of TV and drinking because it's not cheap and if you don't care about one or the other at all and your partner does, those are going to be some long and wall-hitting conversations. So, back to the moment on February 13th, 2021 with our pal Josh. We are literally like minutes down the road and like, I mean, I think he might have even just got right in the car and I was like, hey, do you drink? But either way, it was like very quickly into the into the into the relationship. Oh, Lydia, into the date, and of course he looks at me like I've lost my mind, which in hindsight I had. And he says, "No, do you?" And again, I cut straight in, like Judge Judy style, and I'm like, "No." And then I think I said something like, "Why do you have a bud like Koozie then?" <laughs> And then the night, surprisingly, went on smoothly after he told me that it had been a gag gift. We went axe throwing, and then we went and got fries at Wendy's, and it turned out that he was actually, in reality, a super nice, super good guy, at least as far as I could tell from a few hours. He dropped me off, and I'm sure he shook his head all the way back to wherever he was staying that night. And so, like, obviously, I just kind of forgot about it, like it you know, it was a year. But fast forward to this week. And you know, when you go on dates, like after you've been in a relationship, and it's just kind of like, you're like, okay, I, I don't know how to do this. But like, so fast forward to this week, I see him on mutual again, almost a whole year of emotional stability later, I see the cute little axe thrower from Salmon. And we actually matched. And that's when Nancy Drew Koozie mystery episode came back to mind. So with a little motivation, I made like a love Michael Jordan and I shot my shot. And just like with any other love shot in my life, it airballed completely. (laughs) I guess he's like really smart or something. (laughs) Once a crazy girl, always a crazy girl. But I never thought I'd say that about myself. Actually, I could say that about myself over and over and over again. But good for you, Josh. You dodged a bullet. (laughs) But if you ever want to go on a date with someone against your better judgment, I'm right here. Wink, wink. Okay, so now for our third and final matter of business, Love Club members. Our song of the week. Song of the week! I wish that I had like a cool little intro. Maybe I will. Um, This week is a little different than last week, though. This week, I'm sharing an interesting coincidence in country music radio. And I promise you, like, even if you don't like country music, you're going to like this coincidence. So go ahead, sit back, enjoy the ride. 
So Leanne Womack, a female country singer of the 90s that some may say is best known for the chart-topping I Hope You Dance song, she also released a song called A Little Past Little Rock in 1998, which illustrates a woman leaving Texas and essentially every memory of her lost love there. It's a quintessential country ballad, complete with leaving with nothing but a tank of gas. The tagline of the song is, I'm a little past Little Rock, but a long way from over you. If you haven't heard it, go ahead and give it a listen. I promise it will make you very, very sad, but it will help you understand this story. So this leads us to our next song by my man, Chris Stapleton. And yeah, um, Chris is the king of sad and soul, but surprisingly, the song I am about to highlight is pretty happy. The tune is called Arkansas. And Greedy is the name of the game. <laughs> he talks about basically leading a cop chase through the state with lines such as, when we lit out of Fayetteville. And, okay, so <laughs> when I say these lines, like, ah, uh, like, the, this is not me speaking. This is, this is, the, this is, this is Chris Stapleton. So, when we lit out of Fayetteville, they were calling the hogs, which apparently is the cops. I would never talk about cops like that, just to make things very extremely clear um we made a pit stop in little rock for some barbecue and when we hit west memphis there were blue lights in our rear view so again this is another classic country ballad just on the other spectrum so where does a 1998 heartbreak melody and a 2020 party anthem have in common one town little rock consider this the prequel to our story today. So let's say that the devastated woman in Leanne Womack's, which I also have to say, actually, no, I don't. Okay. Let's say that the devastated woman in Leanne Womack's song's name was Darlene. Darlene ended up being towed back to Little Rock that night because she was a little past Little Rock, right? But she got towed back. Um, it turns out that heartbreak and a tank of gas weren't quite enough to get her to Florida, where she was hoping to meet up with a friend who had promised her a job at the Floribama, the world-famous beach bar. She loved Kenny Chesney and knew that he performed there pretty often. And because this was back in the 90s, she was only able to use the hotel lobby's phone to call Samantha, her friend, because she wasn't staying in a nice hotel that had, like, a phone in her room, like... She- <laughs> So she could only use the hotel lobby's phone so she to call Samantha, her friend, and let her know the dismal news. Of course, Samantha was out, and so she didn't get Darlene's message until a few days later. Meanwhile, because, like, think about it. How crazy is that that you would have to, like, either leave a message on the answering machine, which is probably the most effective way, or you'd have to leave it with whoever answered the phone. <sighs> Okay, so Dar- so Samantha didn't get Darlene's message until a few days later. Meanwhile, Darlene had been informed that her sweet car and accomplice to leaving her relationship in Dallas had turned its last will. The radiator was shot, which I don't know a lot about radiators, but I'm just gonna, I think it's really bad when they break down. So Darlene was again devastated, but she couldn't tell her parents where she was trying to get to because... She knew they would disapprove of her working at a bar, especially at the Floribama, and she knew that they would insist on her coming back to Texas. But she couldn't 
do that because if she went back to Texas, she knew she would never fully get over her ex since he had just started a major landscaping business and he'd stuck one of those little advertising pics like in every lawn in the country. County. (laughs) Not quite the country. (laughs) So she was stuck. Again, it was the 90s, so nobody knew where she was unless she told them. And honestly, she didn't want to tell anyone until she at least had a way to get to the Floribama. She was running out of money quickly, and she knew that she could really only stay at the flowering dogwood for about a week and a half without any money coming in. So she did what any resourceful, heartbroke 27-year-old would do in the 90s in a tiny... And I also want to say, 27 is not old. Like, in this town, it's like, ooh, 27, that's almost 30. No, like, 27 is, like, great in any other place in the whole world. So she did what any other resourceful, heartbroken 27-year-old would do in the 90s in a tiny town without a car. She got a job at the local diner, and at first she didn't like it. It seemed like the same people came in every day. Nothing ever changed, nothing like what she'd been hoping for at the Floribama. But then she started to hear the stories. The rodeo stories, the good old days, the town gossip, and she couldn't help but fall in love. By the time she and Samantha were finally able to catch each other on a landline, she wasn't completely set on making it to Florida. And by the time she could buy a new car, she had already started renting a room in a sweet little bungalow downtown. She grew to be an absolute asset to the town, contributing in many ways and bringing spark back to the sleepy sleepy roads and traditions. Among others, one of the most noteworthy contributions was the 501 parade that she revamped. Every May 1st since 2003, you can find the streets of Little Rock lined with its sweet citizens as the Razorback Parade glides by. The Razorback is like the mascot of like the college there. To look at the sea of red, you might think you've dropped in on a college homecoming parade, but no, this parade is unlike any other. Darlene wanted to do something that would make the news, that would show her ex that she was doing better than she ever had with him, and this was before Facebook, so she had to go big. She hatched a plan with other local businesses to celebrate every holiday in one day with Little Rock Flair. As far as they could see, there, she, there was truly only one way to do that, and that was a parade. From there on out, May 1st, Rain or Shine became the most competitive and everyone says the most fun day in the entire county. The county was split up into six teams, Christmas, New Year's, Valentine's Day, 4th of July, Halloween, and Thanksgiving. And each team drew, each team drew a holiday out of the famous cowboy hat and had one month to build the float that best incorporated the year's theme into their holiday. The day ended with a ranch rodeo and massive fireworks. The parade did make the papers, and it did make her ex jealous, but what really made the papers was when Darlene opened her barbecue stand, which quickly became one of the most famous restaurants in not only Arkansas, but Oklahoma, and, you guessed it, Texas. Fast forward to 2020, and Darlene's barbecue was the best-tasting pit stop Chris Stapleton's boys had on the way to jail in Tennessee. Don't you just love a good story arc? Wink, wink, Bachelor producers. So, like I said, Leanne Womack and Chris Stapleton's songs were kind of the prequel to Lachlan and Mia's story. So sit back and relax as our next story takes us to the state best known for its lakes, rivers, Darling's Barbecue, and now a possible love story. 
Just a reminder, the names are Lachlan and Mia. The situation is the 4th of July fireworks and the timing is after decorating the Christmas tree. Lachlan laughed as he grabbed the red tinsel out of his mom's trunk. He was happy to be on leave for the weekend, but he had forgot what weekend it was until he saw the billboard by the county line. Little Rock Days, the 501 parade. The town had been celebrating ever since he was in second grade, and he was old enough now to appreciate that this kind of thing only happened in the sweetest places on earth. Driving through town was almost a flashback to his childhood as he saw flatbed trailers with sheets covering what could only be the next surefire grand prize winner. One of the best parts of the day was when the parking lot was lined with the six flatbed trailers and the teams pulled off the sheets to re- the sheets revealing a month of their work and creativity. This was no Rose Bowl parade and that's what made it fun honestly. You never knew what would be repurposed into a decoration for a day and more than one can of spray paint was used to drench more than one random item in the town's colors of cardinal and white. Anything goes wasn't the theme of the parade but an outsider might think that if they dropped in on May 1st. Lachlan smiled as he thought back to his senior year of high school when his football coach had been named manager of the Halloween float and they had painted almost every hose in town cardinal red and then twisted them to make a 3D jack-o'-lantern. There must have been at least 300 garden hoses on the float that day and sparkly red hoses were still being used to keep tomatoes growing in gardens all over town. Years later, yes, their town definitely wasn't as big or as shiny as bigger towns, but for the sweet town, living in the shadows was just right. Hey, Lachlan, please bring that tinsel over. I really need to add just a little bit more to the tree. This year was the year Lachlan's mom had been waiting for. She had always jumped into the parade planning wholeheartedly, but when she was named Christmas manager, the county got a few watts brighter. For the last month, she had collected every plastic tree in the county, and today was her day. She had specifically been seeking out flocked trees, and for every tree that came in that wasn't flocked, well, let's just say that the town wouldn't have to dream of a white Christmas next year. She had carefully attached all 27, yes, 27, trees to the flatbed trailer, and now she and her team of 15 other locals were down to the finishing touches. What would really take the cake, and she hoped against hope, win the grand prize title, were the massive razorback ornaments she had handcrafted out of rubber-made lids. It was a sight to see, and with a sparkling red tinsel framing the state's college mascot on every tree, Lachlan was glad he was able to come home this weekend, and he was glad he got to celebrate this small-town tradition with everyone. Lachlan was in his fourth year as a Marine, and as much as he loved serving his country, he was happy to be on land, and he was happy to be with the people he loved most. He was sad, however, that his girlfriend Mia couldn't have come with him. Mia was a nurse at Texas Health Dallas Hospital and there had been no one to cover her shift this week since it was such short notice. Lachlan was disappointed he couldn't share this special day with her, but he understood completely and he was grateful for the lunch they would be able to squeeze in on the way back. What she didn't know was that he was planning on proposing to her at that lunch. It wasn't ideal, but he didn't know when his next leave would be, and his grandpa had always told him, when you find the one you can't live without, that's when you know. Lachlan had found the one he couldn't live without, and he wasn't about to lose her. Lachlan and Mia were perfect for each other. 
Not in the way that they both loved dogs and summertime and wanted to go to Hawaii, but in the way that he understood how important being a nurse was to her, and she understood how important serving his country was to him. He understood her need for stability, but her want for freedom, and she understood his need for an adrenaline rush in a way that he believed only his true soulmate could. But what was most important was that they had very similar life goals, to have a small family and raise them in the South with Southern values just like they had been. Lachlan handed his sweet five foot four mom a strand of tinsel. Wow, mom, I think this is the best float yet. Shaking her spunky blonde bob up and down affirmatively, she replied, you know, Lach, I think you're right. I've really, undoubt I've really outdone myself. It's a shame Mia couldn't be here to see it. I do love that cute girl. Lachlan smiled as he put his arm around his mom's shoulder and pulled her close. Me too, mom. Me too. With all 27 Christmas trees decorated, it was time to put the sheets on and drive very, very slowly to the Presbyterian church parking lot for the big reveal and the ever-important judging. Lachlan opened the passenger door and helped his mom up as she called her co-chair to let her know that the eagle had left the building. As he climbed into the driver's seat of his big black truck, he waved at the neighboring family. They were loading their three kids into a plastic red wagon with umbrellas and a cooler on their way to the, barbecue, to the parade route for the pre-barbecuing for sure. Pulling into the parking lot, Lachlan wished his mom good luck one last time before Darlene herself opened the truck door to welcome her to the manager's circle. Welcome back, Lachlan, she said with her sparkling Dolly Parton smile. We're sure glad you could be here this year. Well, thanks, Miss Darlene. I've been sad to miss it the last few. Well, I think you might like it just a little more this year, Lachlan. Absence does make the heart grow fonder, Darlene said as she shut the truck door and escorted his mother to the manager's circle. Lachlan pulled into the Christmas parking spot, number six, and turned off the big diesel engine. He jumped out and stood to the left of the float until his mom's group came up to take over the float duties. Little Rock might be a small town, but they had class, and there was a certain way of doing things here that everybody knew about, especially for the parade. What happens next would be what has happened for the last 19 years and what would happen for the next 90. Darlene, who is wearing a red and white knee-length checkered dress, white heels, and holding the 501 Grand Winner sash, would count down from five. At, at one, each group would pull their sheets off into the back, revealing their masterpiece. This was a part of the magic that the town was not a part of. With the floats unveiled, Darlene and a group of other business owners would walk around the circle twice and then disappear into the Presbyterian church to drink sweet tea and deliberate for 15 minutes over which float deserved to win grand champion this year. After a decision was made, they would walk out in a straight line and the local news station would give Darlene a microphone to announce the winner. After that, the competition was over and the fun began. The parade boasted more than 60 horses and a group of 10 would ride between each float. These horses weren't just out to summer pasture though. These horses were sparkled and braided up to the nines as well as their owners. About 10 classic cars with their respective classic drivers, the fire truck, and a few cop cars dotted the parade as well, truly making it one of the best days of the year. Ladies and gentlemen, Darlene said into KLR8 microphone, 
Welcome to our 19th annual 501 Parade. It gets better and better each year, just like our sweet town does. Now, we here in Little Rock have a specific way of doing things, but if you don't mind, I'd like to change things a little today. Lachlan smiled. He was shocked, but at the same time, he wasn't. Darlene loved making a splash, and she loved to be in the paper for some reason. And this was front page news. What she said next did surprise him, though. Lachlan Hansen, would you mind coming up here? Lachlan looked at his mom as she beamed with joy, a joy that seemed to say she wasn't shocked at all. Lachlan walked up to Miss Darlene and smiled as the town's newspaper reporter snapped a picture of the historic event. Now, Mr. Hansen is out here. Now, Mr. Hansen here is out defending our country and way of life, and I thought it might be fitting to give him the honors this year. I've been doing it for 19 years. Seems like someone else should get the chance, right? And with that, Darlene handed him the black microphone with a wink. Just count down to one, dear. Not knowing what else to do with the honor of the town, Lachlan did just that. Five, four, three, two, one. All the sheets in the county flew off and the two news reporters turned to get the first look. There, smiling at Lachlan on the Valentine's float in front of a massive cardinal heart, was Mia, his true love. Mia waved at Lachlan before jumping off the trailer, and as the two met mid-parking lot in a hug, Mia and the two met mid-parking lot in a hug, Mia jumping into his arms. Surprise, Mia said as the two kissed for the first time in months. Now there's your picture, Darlene said to the reporter standing next to her. With the KL KLR8 microphone back in her hand, Darlene continued. Folks, our way of life is being threatened, and today is a day to celebrate all that we have been given. I would like to cut the competition this year and invite Lachlan and his sweetheart to chair the parade together. Would you two do that for us? Of course, Lachlan and Mia said yes. Lachlan's mom was only a little disappointed that her float didn't win, but only a little. Before the parade started, Lachlan excused himself from Mia and his mother to talk with Darlene for a minute. Darlene, can I talk with you? Well, of course, dear. What can I do for you? Well, I was wondering if we could do a few fireworks at the end of the parade today, Lachlan said with a sparkle in his eye. Well, Lachlan, I've never done that before, but I suppose we could today, she replied with the same sparkle in her eye. As Lachlan walked back to Mia and his mom, Darlene took a reporter aside and said, you're going to want to be at the end of the parade this year. At the end? Darling, we always take pictures at the beginning when everything is fresh. Why would we want to go to the end? Oh, just trust me, you're going to want to be at the end. It was dusk before they knew it, and that was when the real magic started. Most parades happen in the morning or the mid-afternoon, but this parade happens at dusk. All day long, families had been barbecuing on the parade route, playing games and talking, and now the parade was about to start. The best part of the parade was the moment when everyone plugged the lights in that adorned their floats and the town became what looked like a firefly sanctuary. The air was warm and the sunset was gorgeous as it melted into oranges and reds. Mia leaned her head on Lachlan's shoulder. I'm so glad we were able to do this today, Lachlan. What a once-in-a-lifetime memory. Lachlan agreed, and they both waved to the crowd as he threw out saltwater taffy from the driver's window. I can't wait to take our kids to this parade, he said, kissing Mia's cheek. 
Before long, they had reached the end of the parade route. The street lights, parade lights, glow sticks, and headlights lit up the end of the block with the perfect glow, and Lockwood knew that now was the time. Hey, Mia, he said, putting the car in park. Can you come help me? I think the car has a flat. Lachlan knelt down next to the tire, but we all know he wasn't facing the tire. He was facing the love of his life, Mia. What happened next was a blur, but the town will always remember the day that Lachlan proposed to Mia. No sooner had he slipped the ring on her finger than the fireworks, which were meant for the end of the rodeo, exploded on the background. The crowd clapped and cheered, and everyone remembered how good love was that day. Everyone, but especially a certain landscaper ex in Dallas, Texas, who received a newspaper from the town of Little Rock with Darlene and the sweet couple smiling ear to ear on the front page. Some things change, like the parade that day, and some things never do. So, there's the story, folks. I don't think I need to say that the penny decided a happy forever fate for Lachlan and Mia. And I seriously love that Miss Darlene had a part in it, too. <laughs> also, I know now that Little Rock is not actually a tiny town, but in my mind it was. I had so much fun writing this one. It made me feel like it was summertime and there was hope. And I really think something good is going to happen this year. I can feel it. 2022 is the year. So I hope that you all have the very, very best day and make sure to listen to my next episode when we pick the next names, situation, and timing. Hopefully, hopefully it's, hopefully they go a little bit better together, but I love you all, love club. Bye.